Hello, welcome to Interdependent Study, our podcast where we engage in the learning and unlearning work for social justice and collective liberation. I'm Damien. And I'm Aaron. Thanks so much for joining us today. For those new to our podcast, Interdependent Study is meant to be a space and community for folks who believe in and want to do the work of social justice. Each week, we'll bring something new to the table and discuss our thoughts and feelings about it through the lenses of who we are and where we can go for a more just society. We want Interdependent Study to be a space where we're always learning with one another. And Aaron, you're up this week. Mm -hmm. What have you brought to the table today? Yeah, so I'm bringing a few different articles um, that break down and explain the For the People Act, Yes, um, which is currently uh, awaiting an audience in the Senate. Yes, um, That's not the technical way to put that, but, you know, it works. Yeah. Um, so we have two pieces from the Brennan Center for Justice, one called For the People Act, Separating Fact from Fiction, and another called The Annotated Guide to the For the People Act of 2021. So we'll be pulling different pieces from that. Um as we as we talk about stuff today, um, I think they're both really helpful in breaking down the purpose of the act and dispelling some of the myths. Um, right, it's built into the <laughs> into the title there, yep. separating fact from fiction. Um, but it is dispelling some of these myths that conservatives have been trying to use um, and attach to the For the People Act. Uh, and so this is legislation that I think is really needed uh, to address some of the narratives that were spun during the 2020 election and the aftermath. Um, about things like voter fraud and you know mail-in voting and, and a bunch of different pieces of the election uh, like that. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm really glad uh, that we're talking about the For the People Act today. It's as you said, really just some necessary legislation um, that we need to get passed. Right, um, it needs to sort of go into effect here. And these are really great. Um, and informative pieces that you found, uh, and thanks to the Brennan Center for for Justice for for publishing them, mm-hmm. um, and so I'm I'm excited for us to chat about them, uh, you know, and hopefully we can amplify these pieces so that others check them out too. Um, you know, the the sort of main piece, the one that sort of talks about the myths and the mis- misconceptions. Um, I I was really sort of compelled right out of the gate by it uh, because, you know, the first words of the piece are all about how our democracy is broken and, and need of repair. And, and, and it was just really sort of hard not to be hooked by that um, and, and want to keep reading. And so, you know, they specifically mentioned the insurrection at the Capitol and what led to that. um, As you sort of alluded to the, the rise in voter suppression tactics and laws that we've seen throughout the country um, our broken campaign finance systems and sort of the the ripple effects and impacts of that. You know, this country's uh, history of racial injustice uh, and and sort of the upco- upcoming sort of gerrymandering efforts that we talked about in our last episode, actually, right? Yeah. Um, all being some of the many reasons why our democracy is is broken, as they as they say. And and so, you know, to me, it's just really hard not to be compelled by an article that comes out swinging like that. Yeah. Um, but it's even more difficult, I think, to sort of sit with all of that, right? Like to take the time and and consider all of that and and what has happened and is happening in our country is is pretty heavy and, and troubling to say the least. And so all of that just sort of affirmed for me why, you know, these pieces and, and this legislation um, are so important, right? Like the For the People Act. And, you know, there's a lot of talk in this about the John Lewis Voting Rights advancement act too um and and these sort of being long overdue and necessary pieces of legislation for for good so yeah the 
I think, you know, the, the major focus of this was about the For the People Act. So, you know, do you want to actually set the stage a little bit and share what's in it? Yeah, we'll uh, break it down a little bit. There is a lot to be here. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot in here. Um, and, you know, to be fully transparent, uh, we did not read the full 800 pages of the bill. 800. Well, I didn't. Maybe you did. I did not. No, okay. <laughs> All right. On the same page here then. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's a huge bill to change lots of pieces of the voting process. And it's got three major components that it tries to address. The first is expanding voting rights and access. Mm -hmm. The second is campaign finance reform. And the third is ethics, laws, and regulations for members of Congress um, and the president. It touches on yes. uh, the executive branch as well. Um, and all of these are big issues in their own right with their own kind of um, debates and approaches um, to how best address those. Um, but I, I really like and appreciate the ambition of trying to address them all at once Yes, uh, in this giant behemoth of 800 pages. Um, and so there are de 10 different pieces of the legislation or titles, as they're called. Um, and those tackle stuff like modernizing voting registration, uh, including emphasizing online registration access and automatic registration. Yes, uh, It reinstates some pieces of the Voting Rights Act that were gutted by the Supreme Court, mm. uh, attempts to end gerrymandering by instituting nonpartisan redistricting commissions across the country, yeah. um, and then requires the release of 10 years of tax returns for presidential and vice presidential candidates, and I believe a few other um, elected officials as yes. well. And then there's also some um, different ideas around small donor matching for campaigns, um, which would be like uh, if, if I donate 50 bucks to a campaign, that would get matched by um, X amount. Uh, and that money would come from the fines of corporations who have broken some kind of law. Right. Um, and so that would be a fund specifically for uh, campaign finance matching, um, which would be helpful to um, a lot of candidates who don't have access to the same kind of like um, big pocket donors yes. that uh, Donor other roles. people do. Yeah. Um, and, you know, th there's 800 pages of this. So there's a lot more in there. Um, but that's a big list in and of itself. So it gives you an idea of kind of what what it is um, that's all present in the bill. Um, so, yeah, that that's. I think that's that's what I wanted to share about what's what's all in there. Yeah, that's great. You know, and I appreciate your point around sort of it's it's an ambitious piece of legislation, right? There's yeah. a lot in there. Yeah. Um, but I think the the Brennan Center agrees with us in the fact that like it's necessary, right? Mm -hmm. Like all of it, every single piece of it. Um, and I think there was an argument made around like, well, maybe it might be more successful if we sort of parse out some of the pieces of it mm -hmm. and you know attack those first and um, try to implement those. But you know, sort of every piece of this legislation is just so important, um, I think. Um, and I think we should continue. And and the Senate needs to do its job, um, you know. And I think sort of related to that is you know we're clearly clearly in full support of it, right? I think the other p thing that this piece pointed out is the popularity of this legislation with Americans sort of across the country and across the political spectrum. Yeah. Um, and, and I think it's, that's such a critical part of all of this to acknowledge when we're talking about the For the People Act, right? Like the Brennan Center piece that we read referenced the results of a national poll that was done by Data for Progress and Equal Citizens. Um, and it showed that 67% of Americans support the For the People Act. Mm -hmm. 
which is huge, right? And then when you break that down across party lines, that includes a majority of Republican voters at 56%, um, independent voters at 68%, and Democratic voters at 77%, all being in support of this bill, right? And so, like, that's huge in itself. And um, I don't think you mentioned it, but you also had found this Vox article that was really great, too. Um, And it reminded me that the For the People Act also had broad support in the polling data back in 2019 as well. Um, And I think this bill was initially proposed back in 2018, if I recall. And so, you know, thinking about all that, it's really sort of hard for me to reconcile why we can't get this bill passed through the Senate, right? Um, When, you know, as we sort of talked about last week, right, our elected officials are supposed to be representing us as their constituents, right? Yeah, uh, indeed. Um, I mean, I said this last week or, or something to this effect. Um, it was either here on the show or uh, in the world somewhere. Yeah. Um, but Republicans haven't offered any kind of vision for moving us forward for decades, right, in terms of like policies. Yeah. Um, they're the party of restrictions, control, and waging a culture war to drum up fear. And so that's that's what they're doing to maintain – control and um or power i should say um and so you know pardon me for this quick tangent but an example of this is rand paul posted a picture recently of himself in a gun store Mm. um looking at guns uh like on the wall and stuff that were on display um and the caption said something to the effect of checking out all the guns that president biden wants to take away oh good lord um (laughs) it's like well what what does that do yeah like what (laughs) What, that doesn't do anything aside from drum up fear in your base and drive a narrative about Democrats trying to take away something that the right has labeled a, a, a you know freedom, right? Yep. Um, and mm. not even to get into the whole sort of warped idea of what the Second Amendment, like how we think of the Second Amendment coll- colloquially versus how um, right it's written. Yep. Um, so yeah, like just based on that as a small example. Right. I think we got to believe that Republicans aren't interested in these poll numbers that you mentioned yeah. about there being like 67 percent of Americans support the, the For the People Act. That's a super majority. Right. Yeah. Like that is a um, for real. That was something that, that is a, a, a number of people that would break a filibuster. Yes. Right. Oh. If we were to translate it into what the Senate is. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for them not to even consider it and to try to block it is um, right ridiculous. Like. Um, cause it was sitting on McConnell's desk when he was a majority leader and yep. didn't even come to the floor. So, um, yeah, this is, they see this legislation as a threat to their ability to stay in power, yep. um, in this moment. Uh, and this is one of the myths, uh, this is related to one of the myths that the Brennan center debunked in this article. One of the articles that we read is that this is just a democratic power grab, right? right? Yeah. Um, and so when that's the narrative that you're spinning, Right, which is why the Brennan Center for Justice would need to then debunk said said myth. Um, it's clear that you're not really interested in any kind of expansion of democracy um, or access to the ballot um, for like constituents. Yeah, not interested in it. Not at all. Right. Yeah, that's a that's a great sort of. I appreciate that tangent. I think yeah. it fits uh, perfectly with this. And and right, this idea of myths is so huge, and that's part of what this you know piece. Um, listed out for us, right? It was wild to read all of those misconceptions that are out there about before yeah. the people act, right? Like and and that these misconceptions and and really I think we can call them straight up lies are some of the reasons why this bill has experienced so much pushback, right? And hasn't passed 
through the Senate, right? And so, you know, I wanted to highlight a couple of them, right? Like, mm -hmm. and you just mentioned this, right? Like the misconception that um, this act is a partisan power grab uh, right. that will only favor the Democrats, right? And I think that was sort of one of the, uh, one of Mitch McConnell's famous lines um, that yep. I remember from way back when, you know, or the misconception that the bill would make way for a federal takeover of elections, uh, which again, are not our boy, Mitch McConnell and others like Senator Roy Blunt from Missouri have been spewing. Um, it's just simply not true, right? right? The fact is that state and local governments would continue to administer elections as they do now under this bill, right? Um, and so those are just two of a lot of misconceptions that this piece mentioned, but it's just mind blowing to me that this important and much needed bill is being held up because of stuff like this. Yeah. Well, and the other interesting thing that I don't think I knew that much about um, that the the bill that the article uh, talked about, especially with that federal takeover of elections, yeah. is that um, according to the Constitution, right, like Congress can control congressional elections. Yeah, um, they're allowed to set requirements and stipulations and sort of quote unquote take them over. Right. Um, and this bill doesn't actually do that or get close to it. It sets some more standards for how things might work, yep. um, but doesn't approach anything near what their um, constitutional authority allows them to do. Right. Um, you know, which is uh, interesting, I think. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, this, you know, this piece of paper that all of these Republicans right claim to claim. know super well, like seem... You know, it they use it when they want to. Yes. Um, when it's advantageous to them, and and when it's not, uh, it's right, just a piece of paper. It. Yeah. Yep. Um, and then so a completely different point, but one of the more meaningful things in the article um, that I appreciated that they did was break down just how little evidence there is of voter fraud, uh, which yes. is one of the big lies of 2020, and um, sort of right. You mentioned earlier how the article introduces how broken our democracy is. Yeah. And this was a piece I feel like connected to that. Yes. So they mentioned that um, between 2000 and 2012, there was evidence of 491 cases of male voter fraud. Um, and that's, so that's 12 years, right? So like billions of votes were cast in those. When you think about local elections, yep. city, yeah. State, state, federal, uh -huh. right? Billions of votes right. were cast in that time, and there are 491 cases. Um, so we're looking at a percentage that is so small, minuscule, right? Right. Like we're talking more about voter fraud. Exp we're talking exponentially more about voter fraud. It's taking up exponentially more of our collective attention and thought than it's actually happening. Yeah. Well, and it's wild that you sort of bring that up and think about like, you know, again, the sort of this is what Republicans are doing, right? Like trying to sort of distract us from right. what's important, right? Like this is clearly not important, right? 491 out of billions of votes in that 12-year period? Yeah. Why are we talking about this? Yeah, right? that's like, a why rounding error. That, right, absolutely. Um, it's just simply not the case, right? And so it sort of, again, speaks to why this legislation and, you know, the John lewis act as well right are just so important mm -hmm. yeah yeah man um and i think you know the the that's connected to why all of this is so important yeah. um you know we talked about this a little bit here 
um, before in different episodes, but, um, you know, in March, the Brennan Center reported that 33 states have already introduced, uh, pre-filed or carried over 165 restrictive bills to re-tighten voting requirements. Um, So that was in March of this year. And then in May, it was 48 states that had introduced 40 bills. Let me just make sure I'm understanding this correctly. Yeah. So that, that, that we, we have 50 states, right? Correct. Yeah. So that leaves two that yeah. haven't. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, I just wanted to do the math there. Yeah. Uh, it's quick math. Yeah. Um, <laughs> these, so you know, some of these restrictive bills, um, it's a wide range of things. Um, and I think one of the points that we, uh, heard from, I believe, Carol Anderson yeah. in the the documentary we watched about Stacey Abrams, or featuring Stacey Abrams, not necessarily just about her, um, was that, you know, they introduced these things that sound so reasonable, um, and y- when you sort of follow it down a rabbit hole, you're like, oh, it sounds reasonable, and the outcome is going to be disparate. Yes. Um, right, and so some of these things... Um, that they're trying to do are uh, like eliminating early voting in certain places um, or restricting who's allowed to request vote by mail, mm-hmm. um, which that's one of the things that the For the People Act would do is um, make uh, no requirement mail-in vote requests. So no matter where you are, you'd be able to say, I want a mail-in ballot. Yes. Um it's just across the country. And then they also, um, some of these bills that they're introducing on the state level are tightening voter ID requirements, which, um, again, is one of those things that sounds reasonable. And then you start to unpack it and you're like, well, I provide ID when I register to vote. Yes. And then when I show up, I tell you all the information I already told you. And so it's like checking ID multiple times, um, when it's already been verified. Right. Um, so, yeah, that's why I think this legislation is important is because of this knee-jerk reaction based on these big lies yep. from 2020 that Republicans have been um, instituting and, and introducing these bills uh, across the country in 48 states. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and it's not just sort of the all of this sort of recent voter suppression um, tactic stuff. I mean, you talk about sort of this, these cases of voter fraud and going back to 2000 and really, again, as this piece pointed out, this history of, right, you know, racism right um and and whatnot in our country as it relates to sort of our elections right and our um sort of ability to be represented by our government right it's it's just sort of unconscionable to me that we are continuing to have these conversations um and that this work isn't getting done right and this is a, a bill that is going to sort of bring us some great progress right and push us forward um and it's just so necessary. So yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about application. I mean, I don't know what what <laughs> what doesn't apply here, right? Like this is um, yeah, and a couple of articles uh, about an eight hundred page piece of legislation that is yeah. literally uh, designed to address many issues in the elections process and, yeah. and voting processes, um, and campaign finance reform and, and ethics, right? So that touches like all of our lot, right? When you think yeah. about political participation, yeah. um, especially when we think about it in the narrow context of voting, like this, it's, it's all application. Um, so, you know, I said this before, but I really appreciate the, the wide reaching approach um, to attack campaign financing, voting access, gerrymandering, and mm. so much more. Um, 
and I, you know, I love a good big dream process. Mm. Um, it feels good um, to try to address huge pros- huge problems that are interconnected across the system with a huge piece of legislation like this. Um, it just seems like th- the kind of way to go. Absolutely. I think you're absolutely right. Like what doesn't apply here, right? Yeah. Like this is real life stuff. And this bill, as you mentioned, I think just has real life applications for all of us. Mm-hmm. And so it's just, it's really difficult for me to fathom the idea that we all aren't behind making it easy and fair for everyone to vote, right? That we don't want to make sure that our political campaigns are carried out ethically and transparently. Um, you know, that we aren't willing to hold our president and our vice president and our elected officials and, you know, candidates for the highest offices in the land and even our Supreme Court justices, right? To sort of some really high level ethical standards, right? Like, yep. um, you know, everything about this bill, I think, and, and what it has the capacity to do strikes me as being necessary for um, the greater good. Yeah, right? Absolutely. I think... Um yeah, so all of this applies, I think, um, when we think about the sort of politics in, in the U.S. Yeah. Um, and so, all right, so if everything applies, let's talk about homework. All right. Um, I think our homework here, both for, I'm going to assign it to both of us. All right. Um, and everybody listening um, is to contact our senators. So for us, we'll contact our senators here in Maryland. Yes. Um, and tell them to support the For the People Act and, and, and the John Lewis Voting Rights Restoration Act. Um, yeah. So homework is a little bit more action oriented this week, I think. Yeah. Right. Uh, but these two pieces of legislation, you know, are going to push the voting system towards a more just process. And that's, I think what we're trying to talk about here on the podcast all the time. So it feels like we should be pushing this. And, you know, if you're, if you're still here listening with us, um, check out, check out links that we're going to post, um, and push your senators, um, to support this and use this, use the statistics that we outlined here too, that like, even if you're in a state with Republicans, right? Like 56% of registered Republicans who were polled agree that this should be, uh, instituted. And so that's a majority. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think those, those are, are good things for us to think about and try to do this week. Absolutely. I mean, there's nothing wrong with some action oriented homework and, Mm -hmm. uh, I happily will join you in that. So I think, you know, um, Senator Cardin and, uh, Van Hollen, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, get ready to hear from us. Uh, and certainly if you're, if you're listening to us and you don't live in Maryland, like whoever your senators are, like, yes, please contact them. Um, you know, I, so I, I'm with you on that. I think the other thing I want to do this week, uh, you know, and maybe not this week, but uh, do as homework is to read through the John Lewis Voting Rights Act, right? Like we mm-hmm. obviously read a lot of the For the People Act for this episode. And, um, you know, again, we didn't, neither of us read all 800 pages of it, um, but we read a lot of it um, and certainly read lots of summaries about it. But um, I certainly want to dive a little bit more into the John Lewis Voting Rights Act too, and make sure I have a good understanding of, of everything that's in that as well, because I think I think it's necessary for both of these pieces of legislation to be passed, um, and they're going to have um, incredible impacts on on our society um, and making mm-hmm. us, as we talk about, sort of a more just society. Um, so yeah, so that's another piece of homework I want to do. Yeah, that's another another good piece to learn more about that. Um, in addition to what we talked about here this week with the For the People Act. Yeah. Um, 
All right. So, Damien, you are up next time. Uh, what is it that you're bringing to the table in our next episode? All right. Well, I'm going to bring a documentary to the table for us for our next episode. It's out right now on HBO. I believe it came out a couple of years ago. Um, and it's called True Justice, Brian Stevenson's Fight for Equality. Um, and so the name Brian Stevenson may sound familiar to folks. Um, he is a lawyer and an author and is the director of an organization called the Equal Justice Initiative. And he has done some really incredible advocacy work for uh, poor folks, for incarcerated individuals, um, and has really focused his efforts on and his organization's efforts on trying to eliminate racial discrimination in our criminal punishment system. And so, I mean, obviously that's some heavy, big, important work. Mm -hmm. um, as I mentioned, he's also an author, right? He's the author of an incredible book um, called Just Mercy, which I think has been on the New York Times bestseller list since it was published uh, back in 2014. Um, and so I know a lot of folks have, have read it and have heard about that book as well. And so, um, you know, I think the, the documentary itself is really about Brian and his work and the efforts of the Equal Justice Initiative um, and sort of, you know, his comrades in this work um, and sort of amplifying the work that has been done, um, again, to try to sort of eliminate racial discrimination in our in our criminal punishment system. So um, I'm intrigued by it. It looked kind of interesting. So I wanted to sort of bring it to the table for us. And, and hopefully it's a good watch. And I think we'll have, uh, as we always do, in my opinion, have some good conversation about it. Yes. Yeah. And another thing that the Equal Justice Initiative has done is the National Memorial for Peace and Justice, ah, um, which okay. has more memorialized um, victims of um, racial violence, particularly around lynching. Um, yes. And so that is that is a, a memorial and sort of a museum that they've established um, down in Alabama. I, I was about to say, where do you know where? Um, yeah, it's. Outside Montgomery, I think. Wow. Yeah, it's in Montgomery. Montgomery. Um, well, and so that cool. that is um, also a powerful thing that yeah. that organization has been working for and building for a long, uh, a long while now. Wow, I can't. Yeah. I can't imagine. I'm trying to think about going through a museum like that, right? Yeah. Uh, that has to be moving. Probably isn't even the the right word or yeah. strong enough of a word. Um, so yeah, so yeah, clearly this organization is doing some really amazing work, mm -hmm. um, educational work as well, and outreach. So yeah, so I'm excited to bring this documentary to the table next week. Yes, indeed. Looking forward to that conversation. Very good. All right. So we want to thank you for joining us today and for listening to Interdependent Study. You know what I'm going to ask you to do here, but maybe you forgot. <laughs> um, please follow, leave a rating or review, share our podcast with the people in your life. Uh, follow us on social media. Sign up for our email list to get notified about any new things we might have going on behind the scenes. Hopefully, we'll be able to announce some stuff soon. Yeah. Um, but yeah, please, please do all those things. We appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening, folks. And remember, it's not about us, but it is about us. We'll talk to you next week. Bye.